Good morning. Question for you. Have you ever looked at what's in front of you and thought what's in front of me just looks so much bigger than what's inside of me? For my wife and I, that, I think that first time that dynamic really, really hit was May 8, 2007, when we had our first child, Lainey. And I'll never forget that when she was born, I just thought, oh, I'm going to be... I am going to be everything you need as I'm holding her. I just thought I'm going to be everything you need me to be. I'm always going to be patient. <laughs> I am never going to lose my temper. I am always going to be fun to be around. And that's pretty much how it's gone, right, Lainey? Just nod your head yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> but the thing that I, maybe struck me most about that day and in the, in the few days after that, especially we had her at Littleton Hospital, and Littleton Hospital does an incredible job of just making it so, so easy for the dads. For the dads. I just locked eyes with my wife. For the dads, they make it so easy. I'm going to not look in this side for a little bit, okay? No offense. Um, but, I mean, I, I remember thinking, we went through that few days, and um, it, I just had everything I needed. We were able to rest. And because of the time of mourning that Lainey was born, a couple days later, they said, okay, well, you have an option. You guys can take her home tonight, or you can take her home, and you guys can go home tomorrow morning. Well, during that couple days, they had been bringing us meals. They had even offered, if we needed sleep, that they would take her um, to their, their nursery area. And so we looked at each other, and it took about half a second to go, Look, we're going to stay one more night, okay? But the next morning, we were walking out, and they had discharged us, and walking out with the nurse to our car. Our car had been pulled up along the curb, and we're just chit-chatting with the nurse. And we walked out these front glass doors, and I got to the car, and I looked around, and I realized the nurse wasn't there anymore. And I was like, well, are you not going to help me buckle this human life in? I mean, at King Supers, they at least bring your groceries out to you if you arrange for it, but, <laughs> but you can't buckle a human life in. Wow. And we got home, and I remember we set her down as she was sleeping in her carrier, and we looked at each other and went, oh my goodness, did they just give us a human life to take care of? Like the nurse doesn't, and here's the thing, my wife was a nurse at that hospital on that floor, and I thought, if you're saying that, I'm really freaked out. <laughs> Have you ever looked at what's in front of you and said, wow, what is in front of me feels and looks and is so much bigger than what I feel like's inside of me? I mean, it might be a family dynamic for you. It might be somebody that knew there. It may be somebody who's no longer there. It might be a job thing. I got to be honest, right now, that is what I get up with every single day, is, Lord, I don't know how to do. I've got thoughts, I've got plans, I've got strategies. But ultimately, how do you want me to do and go about the thing that's right in front of me? It might be, it might be a job thing. It might be a health thing. Thing. It might be a school thing. And even as we've talked the last few weeks as a church, it, it's a church thing. We've got this new direction we've been talking about in this series, We Are West Bulls. And the whole idea is that this would be a church where people can connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. And yet, I bet inside every single one of us, we look at that and go, okay, but how do I 
oh man, how do I engage that? How do I do that? Because I like it. It looks good. It sounds good. But how do I go about that? And so this month and next month, we're talking about what are the values and what, is, what has God wired into the fabric of West Bowles to carry that out? And it's, to be honest, big. It's real big. And how do we go about it? So if you felt overwhelmed by anything going on in life and going, that just feels so much bigger than me, guess what? We're not the first to have felt that way. Because a couple thousand years ago, Jesus had a conversation with his followers. And he, as he was talking with his followers, he had in mind and he knew that he was not going to be with them much longer. It was like he was the nurse who was going to stop at the front doors and say, it's your turn now. And in this conversation, I believe is something so key, and it is so present already here in this body, at this church, but it's something we've got to highlight. Because last week, as we talked about the authority of Jesus and his words, well, this week, we're talking about another value, that we've got to get this right as well. And so this conversation takes place in John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, and I believe that in this conversation, there is a key that is right up there with what we talked about last week, if we're going to face what's in front of us. John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus gives this word picture to describe this relationship. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, you may be here, and you may not believe Jesus is the true vine. If so, I'm so glad you joined us. Because as you consider his words and you consider this conversation, I believe there are some very, very compelling reasons to consider that he is the true vine, the true source of life in this life. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. In other words, his, our heavenly father, he says he oversees this whole deal. You jump down a few verses and he gives another picture of another relationship in verse five. He says, I am the vine... And you are the branches. Okay, so Jesus, you're saying you're this vine that you reach down into the soil and you draw life and you draw nutrients and then you, you disperse that to the branches, to the branches that are part of the vine. He would say, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. But I think this is really difficult for us because most of us, when we look at what's in front of us, I don't think we think branches. I think that we think we're the vine. Not only are we the vine, we're the vine, we're the branches, and we're the gardeners. And we think, I have control, and I decide what's best, and I decide what needs to come out of all this. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. You are a branch. And he actually expands on this relationship a little bit. He says, if you remain, and some of your Bibles may say, if you abide, if you stay close to if you stay attached to, if you stay near, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Does that mean like strawberries and grapes are going to pop out of my life and Chiquita banana lady look? No, not like that. You have to think about the context that scripture talks about fruit. In, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, you know what he says? You know what he says that fruit looks like? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
He says, that's the kind of fruit that will come out and come through your life if you remain connected to, attached to, near to me, and you stay there. That's the kind of fruit that comes out. It's a character growth that happens, not by our doing, but by his doing. And then he says something a little bit unsettling. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I I think maybe the best way to explain that is there's an old story. How many of you have heard of um, Stradivarius musical instruments? I'm surprised I've ever heard of it because I don't know musical instruments, but I've heard of these. And the thing that sets a Stradivarius instrument apart, and there are many different ones, but the most well-known is probably the violin, is because of their clarity and their richness and just the character of these violins and these instruments. Well, there's an old story about a master violinist who he would take his Stradivarius violin and he would go play in churches. And as he played... People would sit there and they would listen and they would lean over to one another and they'd whisper, listen to the beautiful sounds of the Stradivarius. And then he would go play concerts at concert halls. And as he played, people would lean over and whisper to one another, listen to the beautiful sounds of the Stradivarius. And he'd even play for royalty and kings and queens. And as he played... They would lean over and whisper to one another, listen to the beautiful sound of the Stradivarius. And the instrument would get all the glory. Well, one day, one day the violinist was walking down the street and he looked into the window of a pawn shop and he saw this old beat-up violin. And he went in and he said, well, how much? How much for that old beat-up violin? And they said, well, the American equivalent, $5. You can have it for $5. So he took it home, and he put some varnish on it, and he refined it, and he worked on it, and then he refined it some more. And when it came time to give the performance of his life, he picked up that newly refined violin that had been previously beat up, and he played it. And you know what people said? They leaned over to one another, and they said, listen to the beautiful sounds of the Stradivarius. See, apart from him, we can do nothing. But a connected to him, abiding in him, remaining in him, we can do everything. In fact, he speaks to this even a little more. Verse 6, he says, <clears throat> he said, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And we get this. If you're walking down the street, walking through a field, and you see a branch laying on the ground, well, what use do you think of for it? It's either going to go in the trash, we're going to throw it in a fire. Because it no longer can bear any fruit. And I think this brings up something that we've got to come back to, that as we think about this new direction as a church, this is another one of those things that if we don't get this right, it doesn't really matter if we get anything else right. It's the idea of staying attached to. Last week was the authority of Jesus. This week, well, it's staying attached to Jesus and remaining there. Jesus says it this way. He says, I'll take care of the fruit. You take care of the root. 
It, it is not your job to produce the fruit. That's my job. I'll take care of the fruit. You just take care of. You protect. You remain with that root connection you have in me. Now, I think, I think we can get this. And, and many in here maybe grew up on farms and you understand this connection, this agricultural language. Can I, can I propose another connection that probably lands for all of us? What good is a cell phone that doesn't get connected to a charger? Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. What good is a cell phone if it's not connected to a charger? I mean, it would sit there. It wouldn't cease to be a cell phone. But what does it do? What good is a social media account if there's no connection to the internet, if you can't get online? You can post updates, you can post pictures, but it's not going anywhere. What good is that health club membership that you signed up for this month? Did I strike a nerve there? What good is it if we don't engage it? See, I can get this when it's a cell phone. And I can get this when it's a social media account. And I can even get this when I have a picture of a, a more in-shape me. We all can. But I don't know that this description of our lives fruitful is necessarily the first thing I wake up with in the morning. I, I don't know that I wake up every day and say, oh, I, I just want to be fruitful today. I have another word. Not fruitful, successful. Isn't that what we wake up with a lot of the time? Not am I fruitful, am I successful? And when I tend to think in terms of successful, that's not a bad thing, it's just not the best thing. But when I think about being successful, I often look at what's in front of me and I think about my abilities. And Jesus says, if you can just shift your focus from successful to fruitful, then you will see that I will give you everything you need and you will have all the help you need. You will have the very help of God himself to be fruitful. Verse 7, here's what he promises. He says, if you remain in me, so it's conditional, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Whose words run through our brains most of the day? I mean, just being honest, whose words run through our brains most of the day? I mean, we have song lyrics that run through our brains. And oftentimes, it's those song lyrics that send us thinking successful. And not necessarily God's definition of success, but the world's definition of success. We have song lyrics, we have movies, we have TV shows that hold up this picture of what successful looks like. And a lot of times, if it's not other people's words, it's our own words. Because don't we get this internal narrative going? And we think, we look at what's in front of us and think, I can't do that. Or, I've got that. I can do it. Sometimes it's no confidence. Sometimes it's total overconfidence. We get other words, other people's words. We get our own words. And you know what it all points us to? Am I successful? Am I not successful? But Jesus says, no, I want you to put my words there. And that begins the shift from successful to fruitful. Whose words? But he points at something else. In verse, in verse uh, 7, it continues, and he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. 
Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This was very convicting for me because I used to read this verse and I would think about this, this reference to prayer in terms of make me successful. And Jesus says, no, 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 I, I won't give you whatever you wish to be successful because I actually have something better. I will give you whatever you wish to be fruitful. Fruitful. In other words, maybe not new car, new boat, new house, all kinds of cash. You got to remember the context. It's fruit. He says, look, do you have anxiety? Are you worried? Are you unsettled? Are you angry? If you, conditional, if you will take care of the root, I will take care of that fruit. I will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is nothing, nothing, nothing he will not do, he will not give to make you and I fruitful. I think back in my own life. Do do you know when I was a kid, my parents would say, hey, it's time to get up and go to church. And I, I can't tell you how many times I got away with faking sick to not go to church over and over and over. And now, uh, I'm a pastor, which now that, now that I'm saying it, I think that might be a punishment now for all, that, all those years ago. <laughs> there is nothing he won't do. There is nothing he won't shift. He, there's nothing he won't change in your life and in my life to make us fruitful. And why? Verse 8, he says it. This is to my Father's glory. When I wake up in the morning, and when you wake up in the morning, oftentimes... Whose glory are we really after? See, successful is not a bad thing, but it's often a short trip from successful to my own glory. And Jesus says, but I I want you, and God wants you to be fruitful because that's to his glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus doesn't want. Jesus doesn't want us to be the world's definition of successful. He wants us to be God's definition of fruitful. It's about God's definition of fruitful, not the world's definition of successful. I was reminded of this recently when I was thinking back. Uh, We have this tree in our front yard, and in this tree in our front yard last summer, um, I had gotten a new chainsaw. And when you get a new power tool, you are just like raring to use that thing. And so I just thought, oh, what can I use it on? And uh, I, there, there, there's this branch on our front tree that had been bugging me because it was a tr- uh, branch that w- just was starting to extend a little further than I wanted it to. It was getting too close to the house. And I just thought, you know what? That branch needs to just not be there. Instead of just cutting it maybe shorter, I just thought we just need to, it needs to not be there at all. And so, started up my new chainsaw, went out there, and I cut this branch down, and Kara and the kids came home, and they jumped out of the car, and they just said, what did you do? And I thought, oh, whoops. Okay, what did you do? They said, that was the branch that we were thinking about putting a tire swing on. That was the branch that, when it fills out, it provides a lot of shade. That's that branch that when we take pictures of our house with Christmas lights on it and you wrap the Christmas lights around it, that branch is just beautiful. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Nathan Harrison, 2018 Dad of the Year, right here, all right? But this is what we do oftentimes if we look at what's in front of us and it doesn't speak to our glory and what we picture successful, we can actually cut off what is fruitful. We can actually cut it off. Jesus says, that's what's at stake. If you do not remain in me and my words remain in you. And so how? How do we do it? Jesus, he holds up a picture of it. Verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Do you notice the emphasis here? Commands and the emphasis throughout this passage has been remaining, but also his words. What are his words? And seek his glory. See, Jesus walked through this life, and you know what he had in focus all the time? The Father's commands and the Father's glory. The Father's commands and the Father's glory. The Father's commands and the Father's glory. In fact, he says, I've told you this. I've told you this. Before we get to that, actually, let me... What are those things that as I, as I wake up in the morning that help me focus on his commands and his glory? His commands and his glory. Do you want to know how you remain connected to the vine? His commands, his glory. This is why there are people that I know that before they get up and do anything else for the day, they will actually get up and look at the commands. They'll get up and open the Bible. Because before they do anything else, what they're doing is they're actually reframing their aim and they're reframing their direction for the day from successful to fruitful. And so what are those things we can engage in that keep those words right there in us? Honestly, I could give you a textbook this big full of spiritual disciplines that would help you do that. But two references that he makes here, what are his words? And then prayer. What if, what if, we, didn't just, what if we didn't just have a prayer team here at this church? What if we were a praying church? Well, that sounds like, that sounds like a, a body of people that remains connected with Jesus, that remains in him, remains in his love. The Father's commands, the Father's glory. So what is it? What are those things that I intentionally, not accidentally, intentionally can invest in on a daily basis that get me centered on in considering the Father's commands and the Father's glory? Have you considered that? And then Jesus says, you actually get something out of it. You will get something out of it. In verse 10, verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Not our joy, the very joy of Jesus. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Have you ever noticed somebody who's gotten really, really successful in the world's eyes? And, and that's relative, to be honest. But have you ever noticed people that are really, really successful aren't always totally joyful? Jesus says, yeah, there's a reason for that. Because the point is not to be successful. The point is to be fruitful. 
And then Jesus takes this one more step. He says, and I'm going to tell you exactly where it plays out and where the fruit is going to show up. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Do you want to know where the fruit of our lives becomes most evident? In the relationships in our lives in our relationships. In fact, Jesus says, it's so big. What I'm about to set in front of you is so big that you're going to need me to carry it out. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, that's one of those things that when I look at it, both for me individually and for this church, I think, oh man, what's in front of me looks so much bigger than what's inside me. And Jesus says, yeah, that's the point. You need me in order to carry out my commands. As I look at that mission that we talked about starting a couple weeks ago, connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. Do you want to know how you carry out the second two pieces of that? The first piece. It's what we talked about last week, the authority of Jesus And then this week, remaining in attachment with Jesus. In fact, as I think back on the history of this church, it's something that is so visible here. Because in this room and in this church, we've had new people come, and we've had people return, and we've had people who have just remained. Not just remained in Jesus' vertical, but I mean in the body of Jesus right here. And I'm telling you, there is so much fruit in that, that God has put here, that he has set here in order to nourish the rest of the world with that fruit. He'll do it. He'll do it. I'm reminded actually of when I was younger, I went to Dutch Creek Elementary School, Dutch Creek Dolphins. All right. So Dutch Creek Elementary School, still got my elementary school pride in me. And every single day, we would get out of school, and there was this crosswalk, and the crossing guard would go out there with the stop sign. We'd go across the street, and along the street, there was this big, long fence with these raspberry bushes that were hanging over the top of the fence. And it was, I mean, for most of the kids, it was like this stool. It was like waist height. For me, it was like neck height at the time. Anyway, so... They, these raspberry bushes would be hanging over the top of the fence. And every single day after school, we would go across the crosswalk and just, nobody cared about washing fruit at that time. We just started eating raspberries. Well, one day we got out there and it had just been picked clean. And later that week, this was in the fall, the owner of the house had put covers over the raspberry bushes. And the, the covers stayed there throughout the winter Throughout the spring, even when it warmed up, we would rush out there to see, oh, is there a new batch? And they'd be covered up. And then one day, toward the end of the year, the cover was off. And there were just raspberries galore all the way down this fence line with a sign that said, eat all you want. And you better believe the entire school was out there. There were kindergartners standing next to sixth graders, and there were, um, there were like sworn enemies. In fact, I remember one of my sworn enemies in elementary school. This was a bully that just, honestly, you see it in the movies, but took my lunch money, would take parts of my lunch. One time, this bully, I got behind them, and I, there's this, this foot-kicking trick. You guys remember that? 
Okay, thank you. Somebody's honest over here. All right, yeah. So I went up behind this bully they were running, and I kicked their foot behind the other one. They fell down, and I just thought, finally, I got them. I thought I was a fast runner. Oh, they caught me and pummeled me. But I was standing there, and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. There are all these incidences with this bully, and I can still remember their face. I still remember their name. Stephanie. (laughs) Stephanie. Never forget her. But we're standing at this raspberry bush one day. Kindergartners, sixth graders, Nathan, Stephanie. And you know what? We all had smiles on our faces. Just eating and eating and eating. Went home so full. Everybody got to have some. Can you imagine one day Can you imagine one day somebody saying to somebody in this community, have you been to that raspberry bush? Have you been to it? No, what is it? Well, it's actually not just a raspberry bush. There's a strawberry bush. There's an apple tree. There's all kinds of fruit. And children go there. And the elderly go there. And families go there, and widows and widowers go there, and single and married, and even people who are sworn enemies, they go there and they eat together. No, I don't know where that's at. Where is it? Well, you just go past that old Rite Aid, and you pass that animal hospital, and it's a big white church. And you go inside, and there is enough fruit to feed you for a lifetime. You know what Jesus says? He says, that can happen. Jesus says, that will happen. I just need branches to hold all that fruit. He'll take care of the fruit. You take care of the root. Let me pray as the worship team comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you in your goodness do not leave us alone to face what's in front of us because you gave us a massive task and it's a Jesus-sized task and yet it's one that we cannot possibly carry out on our own ability, our own strength. We need you to do it. And so, Heavenly Father, as as we look at John 15, as we spend time with it this week, as we spend time with your word, remind us, Focus on your words and focus on your glory. And in doing so, we actually protect the root. We, pro- we protect the connection through which you want to bring fruit that can feed the entire world. Write that on our hearts and keep that on our minds. Every waking and sleeping moment, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.